Changemakers, welcome to another episode of the Sacred Changemakers podcast. My name is Jane Morillow and I've got another great guest lined up for you today. Now, as you know, this podcast is about change and transformation, but it's not just any old change. We believe in change for good, which lies at the intersection of three things, personal, professional, and social transformation. So come with us as we go on a journey behind the scenes with people who are making a real difference in our world. Each episode, we're going to be diving deeply into topics at the intersection. Sometimes we'll be interviewing thought leaders, and sometimes we'll be leading deep dive conversations tackling the challenging issues of our times. Now, our guest on the podcast this week is Richard Rearson. Richard is a leadership expert known for his highly rated podcast, Dose of Leadership, and his ability to transform individuals and cultures. Richard has over 25 years of professional leadership service as a USMC officer, corporate executive, professional aviator, and entrepreneur. He's the host of the top-ranked business podcast and radio show, Dose of Leadership, a show of over 400 50 inspiring interviews with high quality leaders and personalities such as Steve Forbes, Shark Tank's Barbara Corcoran, FedEx CEO Fred Smith, Pittsburgh Steeler coach Bill Cowher and actor Matthew McConaughey, just to name a few. Now, the podcast has been downloaded over 5.5 million times in over 146 countries across the globe and has been named by Fortune Business Insider and Inc. magazine as a top 10 business podcast. Richard served 10 years active duty as an officer in the United States Marine Corps and 10 years part-time with the Kansas Air National Guard and Air Force Reserve. So welcome, Richard. Great to have you. Oh, Jane, it's great to be here. So, so nice to connect with you again. It's been a, it's been a, a while. It's certainly been a while. I think it's been about a decade, you know, since we met in Orlando. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy to think it's been that long, but uh, I think you're about right. It's, it's approaching that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, last time we met when it was in Orlando, this was even before you started your Dose of Leadership podcast. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you a a very open question to begin with, which is just simply what's been happening since we last met? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So much has been happening. But uh, yeah, uh, I think when I met, uh, I was in the throes of trying to Oh, I don't know, jumpstart my consulting business, right? I was working uh, in the corporate arena. As you know, I was uh, laid off from American Airlines in 2001, and that thrust me into the uh, corporate arena and had to reinvent myself. And so during that kind of corporate journey, I became aware of what I'd taken for granted, particularly flying airplanes and being an officer in the Marine Corps, I just kind of assumed I was in this leadership culture. And I just kind of assumed that if you're a multi-million dollar business, that you understood the basics of leadership. And I found that there was a vacuum there. And so that's what kind of Mm. lent me towards going the entrepreneurial route, kind of fell into it, speaking about leadership because I was doing speaking in my role at a hotel company I was working for. I would give these presentations and the HR uh, department said, man, you're really good at this. It's you could get paid doing this. And I didn't believe them. And that kind of, that was in 2007 or eight. And that's when I officially started. And so when I met you, I was getting John Maxwell certification, trying to, you know, jumpstart my business. And then, you know, just finding how difficult it was to get noticed in a noisy world. 
yeah. uh, prompted me to start a podcast. And that's what I did. I just was, was getting up one morning and I was like, God, how do I, you know, I, I had built a website and no one was really showing up. I wasn't getting the calls. I was like, how do you get more clients? And one Sunday morning in 2012, I think it was December 17th, I was looking at my bookshelf and I said, what if I just started having conversations with all these people I read, you know, I'm a read all the time. Right. And yeah. so that, that was the, the start of it. And then that morning I got up and I, I emailed literally like 70 people on from my bookshelf and a bucket list. And by the end of the day, I had three of those people said, yeah, I'll, I'll come on your show. And I sent an email when I sent the email, I didn't have any podcast equipment, didn't even know how to do a podcast, barely knew what a podcast was, but I just sent a, a quick four line email to all these 70 people saying, Hey, I'm starting a show. And I literally just made up the name as I'm typing the email called dose of leadership. I just, I mean, no market research. I just made it up right as I'm typing the email <laughs> Oh my! and God. I'm launching and I go and I'm launching the show. And I literally looked at a calendar and counted four weeks from the following Monday on January 22nd, 2013. I'd love you to be a part of the show. A little bit about me, prior Marine Corps officer, blah, blah, blah. It was a quick four line email and that's all I sent out. And then believe that they said yes. And I said, Oh, I better figure this out. And that's what I did. And then I con connected with a couple podcasters who were gracious with their time, bought the equipment on December 23rd, received the equipment on January 1st, did my first interview on January 6th. And I launched the show on January 22nd with six interviews under my belt. And, and it's been going ever since. And it's been a great ride. And so to sum up to your, your answer to your question is like, I've really been focusing on the podcast and it's transformed into something I didn't think was, I mean, it's well beyond what I thought it would be. Initially when I launched it, it was to get noticed in a noisy world and hopefully get more speaking gigs. That was as deep as my thought process was. And it's turned into something completely different where it's, I've created this network and connected with people that I just couldn't dream of connected with and just had these amazing conversations, which has personally transformed me. I mean, you cannot help after having 450 conversations with some of the top thought leaders that your mindset doesn't, I mean, it's changed me and um, it's just been a fantastic ride. And so it's, it's something deeper than just trying to grow a business, which it's, I'm certainly doing, but I'm just kind of letting, I've let the process kind of, I'm just, I'm just following its lead, if that makes sense. It totally does. And I love the way you're just allowing it to kind of emerge and, as you said, change you as you mm -hmm. go through these different conversations. So I've got to ask, you know, after 450 conversations with top th thought leaders, I mean, what are the insights? What are the things that stand out for you? You know, one of the biggest, it's a great question. One of the biggest kind of aha moments for me personally was uh, it's, and it consistently comes up and it has to do with limiting beliefs. And I, I remember having a conversation with Steve Forbes. This was offline, by the way, I wish I would have had the recorder on, but he, we were talking, we had finished talking about fear and uncertainty. And I said, well, when did it, when did it kind of go away for you at what moment? And he laughed at me, you know, and he says, it never goes away. Are you kidding me? He goes, I goes, I, he goes, I was in the shower this morning you know, going over this deal that 
I went, you know, I'm about to go through, you know, or to cut a deal with or meeting with, and I'm feeling like such an imposter. And I'm like, what? So that was an aha moment for me feeling like, wow, C Forbes no different than me, except for our bank account numbers. But, you know, (laughs) but other than that, we're the same. And that just has consistently come up time and time again, talking to these people who've achieved significant things that you and I would say are, are significant. Yeah. And, and they're, they're just like us. They deal with limiting beliefs. Barbara Corcoran from the Shark Tank said so the same thing. Things start going south in a deal and she'll go back to that 10-year-old girl who was told was dumb and would never get more than a D, right? And so she still <laughs> battles with that. And so that was, that was a relief for me to hear that, right? It's like, oh, okay, well, let's stop worrying about it. And let's just get on with it and start sl- what I call slaying dragons, right? It's like the, yeah. the dragons are always going to raise their head. And so it's not about eliminating dragons. It's about getting comfortable with the fact that they're always going to be there and, and, and being the composed dragon slayer is kind of how I've shifted my mind, my mm. life view. Instead of, before it was always like, I got to, there's something wrong that a dragon's showing up. And now it's like, no, I'm, I'm just, I need to be focused on being a dragon slayer and trying to eliminate dragons. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how I look at life. That's really what's, what's, how I've personally changed over the last eight years. And that theme shows up. The other theme that shows up is, is tenacity is that it's, it's less about talent. It's less about, um, I can't tell you how many times people said, you know, there were five people that were smarter than me, had more money than me, had a better idea than me. And I succeeded because I was the only one that didn't quit. And that comes up time and time and time again. Mm. Those are, those are the two big lessons I think is that limiting beliefs are something we all deal with and tenacity is, is the key. Yeah. That's really inspiring. And like you say, quite refreshing to hear like thought leaders that in the media always look so perfect. You know, the <laughs> right. highlights of their life look so put together. Um, and to actually hear them say that, yeah, I find that really refreshing too. So thanks for sharing that. Now you I bet. know, I know that um, we spoke just before we press record on on today's podcast, and we came up with the title, The Presence to Lead a Significant Life. Why is that important to you? Well, I think I I look back at my leadership journey, you know, I'm 52, and and I remember when I was in college and I wanted to, I decided to join the Marine Corps. Mm. And everybody asks, well, why did you join? There's this kind of perception out there that I joined because I needed money for college or something. I'm like, no, I, I wanted to join because I had this kind of gnawing or this thirst to be part of something bigger than myself, right? I wanted to do something of significance. Mm. I was really drawn to becoming a better leader because I felt inadequate as one. I was, I, I, I'm an introvert by just I'm comfortable in introversion, right? I, I'm yeah. more comfortable having these one-on-ones. I'm not comfortable. You throw me in a networking setting. I'm, I'm a mess. <laughs> I don't like, <laughs> I hate cocktail parties. I just, you know, still gives me anxiety, but, and i looked at that as a weakness at the time. I thought that was something wrong, right? I thought that success and leading a significant life was being this larger than life presence or having this larger than life presence. And I thought, man, if I could, if I do something bold, like join the Marine Corps and it's in this, you know, you think, and you get these images of what a leader of Marines is like, it denotes all these larger than life figures, you know, taking the hill and doing these brave things. And and I wanted to be a part of that. And when I got in, uh, I remember the first 
going into officer candidate school for the 12 weeks there, that first day and, you know, getting off the bus and the drill instructor kind of looking at me and saying, who do you think you are? Why do you think you can be a leader of Marines? Look at you. You have no command presence. And I heard that, it was the first time I heard that term command presence and it. And that denoted everything that I was just speaking of, you know, yeah, I got to be like John Wayne when I walk into a room, right? I got to have a square jaw, booming voice. I got to have this posture. And then everyone's like, yeah, I want to follow that guy through the gates of hell. And I believe that for quite a while in the early phases of my Marine Corps career and tried to be something that I wasn't. I learned over time as I started interacting with some great leaders who had what I consider a great presence. And they weren't John Wayne. They were, in fact, kind of the exact opposite. They were kind of quirky. They were skinny. They looked kind of funny. They weren't necessarily handsome. Mm. They had quirks. They maybe some of them were kind of shy, not all of them, but they had this presence about them. And what I came to learn is like this presence, what was emanating from them was this authenticity, this, this love of, or this sacrificial agape style of love that was coming from them. Right. And which is what really, when you got to the brass tacks of what great leadership in the Marine Corps taught me was just that, that it was agape love, right. Of sacrifice of I'm doing this to make you better. Right. I'm to make you, I'm doing this to, so that you may prosper was kind of the mindset of, of, was the underlying mindset of everything. Now, granted the Marine Corps exists to, go to combat, right? But there's a lot of, a lot of people don't think of it in those terms, but to be successful in that environment, there's a lot of love there. And a lot of people don't look at it that way, but that it's this agape style of love that really was emanating from these people. And so this presence uh, kind of myth that was shattered during that experience is, is what kind of led me to what I do today, where I think it, and you said about, you know, leading a significant life. I think there's a difference. I used to think I wanted to lead a successful life. And in fact, when I'm, and maybe you've done this too, when you've coached people and like when I've coached people, they said, well, why do you want to do this? And I'm asking them if we're going to be a good fit. And I said, why, why do you want me to coach you? And like, well, I want to be a success. And I go, what does that look like? What does that mean? What does success mean? And it's funny to hear them say, it's all the things that you think what success would be. Well, I want to have this position, this title, this X amount of dollar figure, or, or, you know, or I want to have this material things, this house in Maui or whatever. Hmm. And then I've come to learn, then I always ask them like, well, what about this? uh, What would it mean if I had a significant life? What does a significant life look like? And then they, I always see their shoulders kind of, they sit back on their chair and they sink, right? Yeah. And they start thinking about what does a significant life mean? And they start saying things that like, I want to, I want my spouse to be proud of me. I want my kids to be proud of me. Right. I want to know that I was here that I mattered. Right. They start thinking like legacy type terms. And so that's, that's why I started thinking about the difference between success and significant significance I think about these presence principles when I look back at that and it's where I used to think it was superficially about charisma or being charismatic it turned more into I want to be this composed force I want to be confident in myself I want to be consistent in everything that I do 
and I want to be courageous. So I call those the four C's of the foundation, composed, confident, consistent, and courageous. And then to take it even a step further, I thought if we can get that foundation again, and you think about those four C's, right? It doesn't matter what you are, introvert, extrovert, shy, outgoing, every single one of us can wake up every day and spend the rest of our lives focusing on being more composed in stressful situations, confident with ourselves and confident in the people that we're accountable for, consistent in everything that we do, being fair in everything that we do, doing what we say we're going to do. And certainly we can choose to be courageous in everyday activities, right? Mm. Do I stay? Do I go? Do I say yes? Do I speak up? Do I stay silent? All those things that cause butterflies in the stomach and we choose to do the right thing anyway, right? We can spend yeah. our whole life, our rest of our life, improving in one of those four areas. And that starts to lead to a significant life, like the intentionality behind it. And then I think to even go even further, if you want to be transformational, then what I call the, the three keys. So you got the four, four C's, the foundation, and then the three keys are sprinkling authenticity, transparency, and vulnerability. And now you're really starting to be a transformational leader because those are the things that are so, so lacking and so needed and people are so hungry for, and that we suck at as individuals, right? It's, it's difficult to be our true authentic selves, be transparent, to be vulnerable because it's scary, right? And that's why it takes courage, right? If you can get that courage foundation, then you can start stepping into authenticity, transparency, and vulnerability. So I said a lot there, but I, I don't know if that answered your original question. I think I even forgot what your question was because I started talking so much. So sorry, I get on a, I get on a roll, roll on this and I can't shut up. So no, that was great. It really was. And it was interesting because listening to you speak about, you know, the difference between success and significance and how your clients kind of sink in. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because significance is not in the everyday vernacular in the same way that like success is, mm -hmm. right, with business and leadership. So we, it's almost like one of the things I notice with my clients is it's almost like a lot of people, a lot of us, and this is, I'd include myself in this as well. A lot of us have spent a number of years, you know, in the world, walking through the world, if you like. Um, and we've, we've got, we've adopted somebody else's view of what we think exactly. our success should be. That's right. So I don't use the word significant with my clients. I use the word, it's interesting. And I wonder if there's a nuance here for you, because I, I'm really enjoying the way you're defining significance. And I use meaningful. What will make mm, your life like meaningful? And is there a difference for you, Richard, between significant and meaningful? And that's a great question. I don't know if that, I, I think on the surface, I'm thinking they're synonymous to me. They almost mean the same thing. Mm. Because significance, meaningful might even be more, might be a better definition of what I'm trying to say because significance still kind of denotes a, maybe I'm wrong on this, but may, it kind of denotes maybe more of an external, what other yeah. people think are significant. I and agree. Meaning, yeah. and, meaning, and meaningful, the more that I'm thinking of it, the meaningful is more personal, right? Yeah. I think, or more individual. But I think when I say significant, I'm meaning what you're saying. Right. right. Like it's an individual <laughs> thing. Right. Right. And I love how you've described that through your four C's. And as you said, the four C's, I could feel myself. There was a, there was a gap for me. 
when you said the four C's, I was like, yeah, well, where's the caring, the compassion? And then you came in with ah, your three keys. Yeah, and right. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, now if we put the authenticity, transparency, and vulnerability with that, now we're beginning to make sense for me. It was interesting. Because yeah. as a woman looking at your four C's, I feel like the feminine energy somehow is missing. You know, that's a great point. You know, I was, in fact, it's funny that you brought that up because I was saying, I was, was talking to a friend yesterday about this who's, and she's a woman and she said, hmm. And she goes, you know, she goes the thing. And she was a teacher. And she said, you know, the thing that, that always resonated with my student or what was important to my students was that as a teacher, I, if I was caring and I was fair, and she goes, she said the same thing at those three keys are what kind of keep that umbrella. The consistency piece to her thought was the fairness piece, hmm. but the authenticity, transparency, and the vulnerability, she thought that was the caring piece. And so hmm. it was interesting that you said that, you know, yeah, I think you're yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Cause these are the things to me that start to kind of, when we, because it's very easy for us to say, you know, these words, if you like, and, and, and do them in this abstract sense, but living into them, embodying them, that's a whole different journey, isn't it? Oh, my God. <laughs> we can yeah. know them. Yeah. We can know them in our head, but then actually living into them. And I just wondered for you, you know, what has been your challenges as you've thought about you know, leading a significant life for yourself, defining that for yourself, and then making it happen? I mean, what was important? What have you learned along the path of life, Richard, for that? Man, do we have enough time to answer that? That's a given. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's easy. It's it's always easy or or it's reassuring or it's fun to have these kind of acronyms or the four C's and the three keys. And they remind, you know, I use them as reminders, but they're also... I think for me, the biggest lesson has been is, is to be easy on myself because I think, you know, it's easy for me to look at those, what I just mentioned there, the four C's and the three keys and, and mm. get this and, and, and get down on myself because I fail at, at, at least one of those, if not more on those things every single day. And I've, and I've come to learn that that's okay. I mean, as part of the process, I think as long as you have that awareness of what you're trying and to me, I think that's, that's, that's the key is this intentional awareness and being aware all the time. And that, I think that's what makes it so difficult is because it takes a tremendous amount of energy to be intentionally aware all the time. Right. Because I am a selfish pig like everybody else or the vast majority <laughs> of us, right? I mean, I do want to recoil and, and just kind of sit on the couch and watch Netflix and binge all day. And, right. And it takes a tremendous right. amount of intentionality and it takes a lot of work to be composed in stressful situations. I mean, how many times have I lost it, you know, or said the wrong thing or my temper was short or I was sh- not even, not even a blow up, but I was just curt with one of my kids. Right. It's like, ah, oh, do I get, do, why not? Don't, you know, Yeah. really do we, you know, and, I, and not taking the time and, or it's so easy to talk about being composed in stressful situations. It's so easy to talk about to be confident in yourself. And I battle limiting beliefs every day and I beat myself up every day. And, yeah. and I, I think, I think I've just been a little more forgiving and okay. I've been, I don't know. I've been forgiving and knowing as, as long as I know that I'm 
aware and I'm, and I'm trying to chip away at that every single day then that I can, and I can lay my head down every single day and go, how did I do today? And as long as I can say, okay, I didn't do this so well, but I can tack on to, but I did this okay, or I was very good at this today, right? Mm-hmm. And I think in the past, I was always like, man, I sucked at this today. I didn't do this. I'm always thinking about what I didn't do. And I think it's the mind, sh- I think the shift that I've really been working on over the last decade, and particularly since I've done this show, is to, um, I, like I said, just keep chipping away at it and, and, and realize that I'm never going to achieve perfection, right? Yeah. But as long as I'm in the pursuit I'm in the game and I'm, and I'm, and I'm living up to what the universe is asking me to do. I think for me, it's like, it, it says, I don't want to go to bed thinking that I've shamed the universe, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and yeah. for me, it's like, and really the only obligation I think that we have, when I look at all of this and for me, and one thing that I didn't mention, of, if I look at all of those presence principles that I talked about, the, the, the umbrella out of all of that, and leadership in general is love. I talk about that a lot, you know, that this is, there's a love umbrella, which is a big umbrella on, over leadership. Mm. And I like to express it in those terms. And so if I can, at least when I go to bed at night and answer the question, like, how did I do? Did I chip away at it? Um, to me, it's been a shift from, uh, uh, I really had a scarcity mindset for a really long time. And it's shifting from a scarcity mindset to one of abundance. And that's what I tried it. That's what I've tried. Bad that, that I live in a universe of abundance and that. And it's not about, you know, some boogeyman in the sky telling me, right. going to punish me for right or wrong. It's about how do I tap into this abundance, right? That's all around us. And I think the only obligation we have out of all of this is to make the place better than we found it. I really do think that is the universal obligation. And that's why I think these presence principles are so important because if you live up to them and you do it right, you are making the place better than you found it. That's how I see it. I don't know yeah. if that answered your question or not, but it did. And what well, I just want to, uh, kind of speak to something that I'm noticing as you were talking then I, I kind of went back to the the first time we met in 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 Orlando and I just had this realization that the guy that I met that decade ago right before you started this journey this entrepreneurial journey I think if I'd have been talking to him to do a podcast you know the title would have been how to lead a significant life And today you're talking about the presence to lead a significant life. And that for me, Richard, changes the whole texture of the conversation. Mm. And presence for me is is that word, that 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 way of being, that way of walking through the world Mm -hmm. that shifts everything. And that's what I hear you speaking about when you're talking about intentional awareness. Because the presencing is the practice, I believe. Right. I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it is getting out of your own, it is getting out of your own head, right? I mean, that's what about all yeah. this kind of awareness thing is, is that there's, there's is, of being aware of even the, the, the smallest of signals of, of being aware of the smallest little of, of miracles. Yeah. Um, and that every, conversation that you have every situation that you're faced with there's 
there's something to be gained from that. And I, that sounds so easy when you say that, but when the, the heat is on or the pressure's on, like a tragedy happens, worst case, or, um, or even just simple things. Someone cuts you off at traffic or your, your boss comes in and starts yelling at you or your kid is you know, disrespectful to you. Whatever the case may be, I mean, you got to really dig deep in, in having that intentional awareness. I mean, in those moments where I've had all of those things, small tragedies, uh, emergencies in the airplane, kid being disrespectful, me and the spouse not agreeing or not communicating well. Um, I'm digging deep and saying, how can I, you know, it, it's like the, if someone comes up to you and starts telling you, you're, you know, Jane, you're, you're such a pretentious jerk, you know, and you recoil. <laughs> right. Yes, not, I do. <laughs> and we would all recoil if somebody said that, but if you can have that awareness, like, why is this person calling me a pretentious jerk? Mm. And they may be completely wrong, but that skill or that ability to say, I'm trying to understand why they would say that to me is the key, right? That's the awareness key or the presence, like having that presence to not, to not dig in and to recoil and to sit there and try to understand, I think is the key. And it's what, I think that's why everything is so screwed up. Nobody does that anymore. Right? right. Or at least the vast majority of us don't do it. And we think, why is they, why are they saying that? Why are they coming across that way? And, and yeah. to me, that's the basis of trying to understand yeah. They may be completely wrong and you may not agree, but if you if you understand where they're coming from, to me, that's where the love aspect comes in and that's where the presence comes in of yeah. like I, I'm pre I'm I'm hearing you, I feel you, I see what you're saying. And now that just starts a whole different conversation. Right. It, to it and totally does. And I it reminds me of some of the conversations I've had in uh, you know, in in, in organizational life around the use of power in relationship. You know, and I think that what you're speaking to there, what I'm hearing you talk to, Richard, is something that I think of as, uh, and I've started lovingly calling it the lost art of mm -hmm. having power with another human being, not power oh, over like or power yeah, under, but power mm -hmm. with. How can I just be with you? Right. And it's easy to do when you resonate with someone and, you know, and everything's going along well, we can easily just get along and have power with them because we're happy to share our power with people we respect and admire and that kind of click with us. But when we meet dissonance, like you're speaking of, when we meet people who we don't get along with, we don't click with, they have opposite views to us, opposite personalities, then what do we do? Are we still able to be with them? in that power situation. And I think that yeah. that's something we need to learn, you know, and I think it's something for leaders and it's actually something for the world. <laughs> I think you're right. I mean, that is, isn't that the key, right? Isn't that what's so lacking in everything that right. we're seeing in everything, right? right? Is that like, how do I have power with this person that I apparently have nothing in common with, or I completely dislike or disagree or, you know, politically, culturally, whatever are at opposite spectrums. Um, yeah, that's the key, right? Yeah. 
Now, I know you've been doing some research into presence because you mentioned earlier your presence principles. I wonder if you, <laughs> I mean, I don't want you to go into great depth with them, but I just wondered if you'd be able to share a little bit about that for, for our listeners, because I think there's a lot of traction in this as we come into 2021 and, you know, there's been all kinds of uh, disruption, let's say, in the world. I'm not going to yeah. go deeply into everything that's <laughs> yeah. going on, but right. it's there. And yeah. I just wonder, you know, when you've been doing your research into the presence and the principles that are falling out of that, whether there's any value for people to kind of really get a sense or a handle on, you know, what that might be? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that to me, it's coming from, a again, looking at the kind of the, the leadership landscape from a both you know, a, a political pop cultural media perspective, everything we're inundated, social media perspective that we're inundated with, you know, and you see the lack and you, and you talk to the people, you know, even with work that I've done in, in, in organizations and you talk to the people that are working on, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the middle and below at any organization, right? I think right. If anything, anything that, you know, that's where the, the engine of the organization is. And that's where you can get the biggest bang for the buck. That's where the biggest impact to the culture, to the customer can happen. It, particularly in those customer facing roles that are in the middle and below, they have mm. so much influence and power over the brand, over the, over the, the, the success of the organization. And, and what I found is that the vast majority of the people don't that are in those roles don't realize or appreciate that, right? We always think it's about the people in, you know, the top of the tower and the ivory tower coming up with all the decisions and it, look, they're both needed, right? And, right. but the shift is for me is that the, the ivory tower of people, the people that the top half of the organization, the leader, the, the, the defined leadership, if you will, they really should be focusing on where we're taking this organization and why. Mm -hmm. And then the middle and below needs to understand where they're going. If not, they need to extract it from them and ask questions. And then when they, they know that, then they feel empowered to make decisions that support that intent. Right. That's, that's just, a, it, that's one of my passions. Right. So to, yeah. to, to full circle, to get around to your question, why is that important? Well, I think that when you look at those presence principles, and you want to start to empower that middle and below all those things that we talked about in there, the, you know, to the composed, confident, consistent, and courageous and authentic, transparent, and vulnerable. Those are things everybody has access to, right? To be those things. You don't need a position, a title, a degree, uh, anywhere you're at in life and in the organization, in your family, in an organization, you can if you focus on those presence principles, you can start to make an impact, right? You can start to change the world or at least you're part of it. And, and that's why I think it's so important because they give you, no matter where you're at in life, in your position title, no matter where you're at in your leadership journey, rookie to seasoned veteran, whatever the case may be, you can do something to impact and change the world or at least you're part of it. That's why I think it's so important. And so you look at those things, you know, and I hear from people who are in, who don't look at themselves as leaders, right? And I want everybody to embrace leadership is for everybody, right? We're all going to be called to leadership in some time of our lives or every single day. There's, there's at least one person that everybody that's listening to this can think of right now, no matter where you're at in your journey or where you're at in position title career-wise, there's at least one person who's looking to you for influence and guidance today, right? Mm -hmm. We can all think of one person. 
And if that's the case, then leadership is important to us and we need to understand it, figure out what it means and apply it. And if nobody knows where to go, you can go to these presence principles and start making an impact. That's why I think it's important, right? Because mm. what's stopping you from being more composed in a stressful situation? What's stopping you from being confident in yourself or learning how to be more confident in yourself or the people that you're accountable for? What's stopping you from being consistent? What's stopping you from being courageous? And it's, it's rarely anything external. It's all internal, right? Yeah. You just have yeah. to, you just have to, dis, you just have to opt in. Right? <laughs> and, and to me, that's very refreshing, right? That's exciting because if each, if, if the price for admission is just raising your hand and saying I'm in, well then let's, let's get on with it. Now it doesn't mean it's easy, right? right. So, so that's, and that the beauty of it, it's all so easy to understand. It's easy to say, well, I just got to be more composed in a stressful situation. I agree. Right. So how do we do that? Right. <laughs> right? Well, I, of course I want to be confident in myself and confident in the people that I'm accountable for. Yeah. It's easy to understand, but how do you do that? You know, how do you get over those limiting beliefs that are nagging you as you're taking your shower at 7am and you're, thinking about some conversation you had with your mother 35 years ago and think, God, I'm so stupid, right? <laughs> you still, why, why are you having that conversation? Right? <laughs> your mom's been dead for 15 years, right? And you're still having that conversation, right? But those are the yeah. things that just plague us as, as humans. And, and, but that's why it's important to me. And I think that's why it's important for everybody is, is that it gives you or at least reminds you to me that leadership is for everyone. And then if you, if you willingly opt in and you jump in and say, yes, I want to do this. And that's, then you start to make a dent, not only in your personal life, but, but in, in the organizations you're with and in the world that you're around and your family and everything else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have to ask you what's going to make this lifetime for you feel significant or meaningful. What is oh, it? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, you know, I struggle with, you know, I, I still, I, I get drawn into like, well, I want to make this amount of, I'm always, you know, I have goals, right? I have financial right. goals. I have these goals and I find myself and sometimes I get wrapped up in those and thinking of all oh, that's going to make me whatever, more happy. Not that I'm not happy. I mean, I feel, and it, to me, I guess it's not pursuing happiness, right? I, I mean, I've, I've gone away from this pursuing of happiness. I, 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 I'm perfectly content or at least accepting, maybe it's the stoic in me that like, look, I know bad things are going to happen. I don't want them to happen. They're going to happen. Um, I know I'm going to be in the mud again at some point. And that, and that does frighten me a little bit to know once my next in the mud moment. Right. Mm. But uh, um, I think to me, knowing that if I have, whenever that next in the mud moment happens that I'm able, I'm, I'm able to pull myself out or I'm surrounding, or I, I've, I've built up a community of friends and people around me that will help me get out of the mud or let me see life. I don't know if that makes sense. So I guess that for me, the significance to know that if I've led a significant life is knowing that I did it. When I get to the end of the road and I'm laying, hopefully I'm laying in that bed and I'm, I'm and I got a long ways to go, but I, that I have no 
There's no regret ghosts walking around the bed, looking at me, shaking their head in shame. If that makes sense (laughs) that I, that I lived, I lived a life knowing that I, I, I didn't let fear and uncertainty stop me from taking risks that I lived a life that was full, that I added value to, to, to almost every transaction that I had from here on out, that everything I was doing was about adding value and making the place better than I found it. And it doesn't have to be a name on a building or a certain amount of dollar figure. I, lay, I think back to my dad, who was a pretty simple guy. And I remember I, I didn't, didn't get along with them. I mean, I got, I got along with them great. We didn't, we weren't contentious. We just didn't talk a lot when I was in high school. And then when I, I moved away and got in the Marine Corps, we talked quite a bit and we got pretty close. And I remember when I was a kid, I, he had so many opportunities to, to like run a business or this, or that. And he never wanted to, he just wanted to do simple things. Right. He never had big goals. He just wanted to be real simple. Right. And I'll never forget when we went to his funeral, he impacted so many lives, right? Like he came to the, like so many people showed up to his funeral and talked about how impactful he, my dad was to them. And I remember kind of shamefully thinking back when I was a teenager, thinking, God, he could be so much more, right? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about those success principles. And my dad was one of those guys that if you looked at like the pop media culture terms of success, he wasn't successful, but man, he led a significant life and he impacted a lot of people. Mm. And, and, and if I just live a life like he did, that, that's, that would be fine. That would be, that would make me happy. Mm. I don't know. I just kind of was coming up with my answers. You made me dig deep. But I didn't even <laughs> think about. I have a I, tendency to do that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But I think, I think that's it. I think that it's knowing that if I'm on my deathbed, I had no, like, there's no regret ghosts walking around shaking the head. Well, you should have. Why didn't you? It was only you, right? I'm I'm not afraid of trying anything, you know. If anything, I feel frustrated that I don't have enough time, if that makes sense. That's what I've morphed into. There's so much I want to do. But as long as I get to that deathbed and and I don't have a gnawing, well, why didn't you try that, right? Yeah. that's going to be my, my biggest regret. And I don't want to do that. And I think that as long as I know that I've, I've made it, I, I've made the place better than I found it. I will be happy with the significance this, that to me, that's a significant life. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved it when you said, if I didn't let fear and uncertainty stop me from taking risks and I've made the place better than I found it. That to me just yeah. says everything. It's like, yeah, that's simple and yet profound to find mm-hmm. yourself in that place, quite an extraordinary place to be. So I, I just love that you spoke to the simplicity in that way. I really do. Now, yeah. one of the things we talk about at Sacred Changemakers is I, I, <laughs> I joke around, and you may have heard me say this, I don't know, which is I, I, I joke around about my own timeline and say, you know, I started with a job, then I had a career, then I had a business, then I had a business with purpose. Now I have a calling. Mm. I, I wonder if you have a sense of a calling for yourself, because it kind of links in with words like legacy, which you've talked a little bit about. So I just wondered, do you have a sense of a calling in this life? And yes, really great questions. I think that, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's something, it's a work in process, I think, you know. I mean, I think that, yeah, I think back to the last 
last 10 to 15 years. And I've always had, and I still do. I haven't, what I, I call it a, a gnawing, if that makes sense. I've always yes. had this gnawing. Yes, that totally makes sense. <laughs> of wanting, and I go, what is this gnawing, right? And um, I think the calling, and, and the podcast has helped me through this, right? Doing this, I think doing the pot, something in the, in the realm of, of like the podcast, having these conversations. Um, it's something in that vein uh, because it's, it's one of the things I truly enjoy of, I mean, I've done it for, it surprised me that I've really stuck with it with eight years. It did, it did eight years seems like a long time to do anything. And I've done it and it's gone by so quick because I thoroughly enjoy it. And so I think the, the calling, and I don't know if I have a clear definition of what that is, but it is in that realm of having those conversations of continuing to do something of, and I, I think of the people that I've met, I've come connected with and friends with by meeting people through the podcast and we've done life together and still doing life together and doing things and becoming better husbands, fathers, citizens, whatever. Um, so I wish it's something that I wrestle with. Like, what is my calling? I think it has something to do with creating a platform Yeah, and this is fresh, but I think that I, I know that what I've what part of that gnawing is, that calling is, is like I would love to have. I don't have a home for it. If I look at myself as a fifty-two-year-old guy, husband, a father, kids, I don't feel like I have a home anywhere where I can turn to a resource that I can turn to on a regular basis that answers a lot of these questions that we've been talking about. Maybe it exists. But particularly as a man, um, yeah. what are my options, right? I can't, you know, I like the closest thing is Oprah's network, right? But Oprah's kind of geared towards women, but men watch too, like myself, right? But or what right. she used to do. Now she has TV shows and stuff. But like a place where I can answer those questions or or a media resource that has a place for authentic and transparent conversations that are about what it means to be a great husband, a great father, an entrepreneur, um, you know, a lot of those places, if they exist, they, they're either in the church, what I'm not interested in, you know, and I find some guy up there who's 50 years old and he's wearing acid wash jeans and he's got ax products in his hair and he's got a rock band behind him talking about Jesus. And that doesn't resonate with me. Right. 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 And all the things he's talking about are the thing men struggle with is like, you know, infidelity and internet porn and all that other stuff. I don't like, okay, that's fine. Like, can we talk about something else? Right. And yeah. it seems like that's all they talk about. And um, like the conversations that we're having like this, like, I don't see a place where people can, particularly men can do that. And the, and the other thing I see, like from the men thing, it's like, it, it, it's all the warrior stuff, right? Like they're going to the <laughs> woods and, and they're throwing axes and they're growing beards and they're talking about, you know, being manly things. And I'm like, okay, it just seems like a facade to me. I don't know. Right. 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 
maybe this is your calling. <laughs> maybe. And on the other end, you, have end, to you know, create it. You have <laughs> right, to create. No, yeah, right. not go in the in the woods with the axes and the beards, but yeah, no, no, you but... create this place because one of the things we talk about a lot in Sacred Change Makers is, and uh, I don't know if you've heard me say this, but when I thought of I was going to do this new brand with this podcast and it was Sacred Change Makers, and I went out to some colleagues and different people that I know, and everybody, without exception, said, I love the term, but drop the sacred. We can deal with change makers, but the world's not ready for sacred change Why? makers. Because sacred is a word that's been kind of kidnapped by religion, by organized religion. Mm. And I feel what I'm doing or what I'm wanting to do is is, is reclaim that word for myself. Yeah, and, I like that. And yeah, really get a sense of what it means for me. If my life is sacred, then it changes everything for me, Richard. It tethers a, me a, to something yeah. bigger than myself. I agree. So it's a very powerful word. Like it's it a, is. I think, yeah, it's a great word. Yeah. And I hear mm -hmm. you speaking here to you don't, that's this source, this platform doesn't exist. Maybe that's because you're meant to create it. Maybe. <laughs> because know? one of the things that I've got from our conversation today, and this kind of, it feels like a beacon from what you've been saying is our title, the presence, right? So presence to lead, leadership, a significant life. So significance, those three things are very important to you. And they're mm -hmm. very important to you individually. But I also see this thread running through your work, how you're inspiring people with the Dose of Leadership podcast, how you are living this presence to lead a significant life so you can inspire it in others. That's what yeah. I get. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm not saying it's right, take it or leave it, but that's just what I get, Richard. As you no, say. I mean, I... I <laughs> I agree. I mean, I've, I've always keep going back to is like, you know, I, I, I want to create the calling is to create, yeah. right? Like I have this calling to create. Um, I don't know how that manifests itself exactly. I mean, but I deeply value culture and I, and I, I deeply value culture of values, if that makes sense. So I, I like, I like, I think I hate narrow-mindedness. I think the world is such a big place. I mean, I guess from traveling the world and seeing everything else, I value culture. Yeah. And culture is very important to me. And a culture of values where I think is is has gotten lost, like values that we can that we all are um, for all of us, right? And we've seen to shy away from that. I mean, I think back to my parents, they had a circle of friends in the group. They got all got married in the late fifties, early sixties. And they had this circle of friends and there were 12 of them, six couples. And they all, I mean, varying backgrounds, right? They were Kennedy, Demo Kennedy Democrats. There were Nixon Republicans. They were Jewish. They were Protestant. They were Catholic. Mm. And they did life together and they loved each other deeply. Right. Yeah. And they had these, these, these shared culture of values. And, and I don't know how that, that comes back or that, but I feel like that calling is, is to create, I mean, even the purpose of the show, I guess you could even say dose of leadership, you know, 
eight years ago was for the limited purposes of augmenting a consulting business, right? To get more noticed in a noisy world and, and maybe hopefully increase any potential for paid speaking engagements, right? That's as deep as it went. But it's, but I think now that I would say that the show's main purpose is to provide a resource to teach, to inspire, to arm listeners with tools to navigate life, to a significant life, right? To be a composed force in a chaotic world. To me, that's much more significant than where I was eight years ago. But there's still something else there that that that's deeper than that, right? And and I mean, and I'm and I'm ready, and I'm I want to do something exceedingly brave and bold and impactful. I, I don't know what that is, and so it, there, there's a calling there to to get back to your original question. But and you're probably right; it's somewhere in that in that vein. But sometimes it <laughs> it just feels. I still have that limiting belief, like, well, who am I to connect with millions of people to create better lives and, and be who they're destined to be, to be their fullest expressions of themselves in a way that's bigger than what I'm doing now. That feels a little pretentious to me sometimes, right? But if not me, who, right? So I. Yeah, but here's the thing, Richard. This is not, we're not talking about some abstract thing you can do in the future because you're already doing it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> That's it. This is your calling. You're already living into it. Yeah, it I guess you're right. It doesn't need to get bigger or better or anything else. You're already there. You're already making a huge impact. Yeah, it's just sometimes it when you see it behind the scenes, it doesn't feel like it, right? When you're sitting here right. and you're dealing with Right. That's why it's so easy for life. me to say it and harder for you to say it for yourself. Because it's always easier when somebody else is looking from the outside in. I can see it. You have shifted major, major leaps and bounds since I saw you in in uh, Orlando. You think completely, so? Yeah, I do. You're a completely different mm. person. You talk about transformation now. You talk about presence. You know, you've you've got your principles. You understand what it takes. And you also understand that leadership is not, you know, the external, like showy, charismatic oh. thing that we think it was. It can be very quiet. It can be a quiet presence, a steady, quiet presence, you know, and I think that you're embodying that really well. So thank you. I'm noticing the time. So I'm just going to ask you one final question that I ask everyone, which is, you know, if there's, if there's anything you'd want to share with our listeners, anything you'd hoped we'd get to today that we didn't, any wisdom, what might it be? You know, there's nothing that's gnawing at me to think that, we, that we didn't get covered. You asked so many insightful questions. I feel like I just, I need to get off the therapy couch here and I appreciate <laughs> all the, <laughs> I appreciate the time with you. You're always such, I remember I had such an amazing conversation with you in Atlanta. We met and then having you on the show was such an amazing conversation. And, and um, I would just Thank you. think that, you know, I, for me, I think if if we can learn, particularly because things are so crazy externally around the world, I mean, the world needs a handful of composed, confident, consistent, and courageous, and authentic, transparent, and vulnerable warriors, right? They, they, the, the world needs it. And we can't wait around for people with positions and titles to to step up and do it. We all need to to step up and do those things. And if we start doing it and realize it's a lifetime journey, it's like you never fully arrive. Right. It's just something that if, if you, you opt in and say, yes, start the journey and, um, and the, the path towards significance will, 
will start to widen and um I think that's great. I hope you got some I hope you got some value out of what I had to say. I felt like I was rambling a lot, but hopefully no, you got some value out of what I said. I think there was some real kind of amazing golden nuggets in everything that you shared today. So I just want to thank you so much. Thank you for for sharing so openly and for embodying your principles, Richard. Well, <laughs> thank, thank you. you for having me on. You you're, you're such an amazing person and it was an honor to, to be on your show. Thank you so much. Okay, guys, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Before we go, I want to remind you that all the resources and links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. And our growing community of changemakers are actually our sponsors who help us keep doing our work in the world. We're a network of people committed to making the world a better place. We support each other to grow personally and professionally. And together we are making a direct impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals all visible on our website. So if you're interested, I invite you to take a look. It's time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs from you. Together, we can make a meaningful difference. Again, you can find us at sacredchangemakers.com. And if our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. So for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intention and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.